Hello and welcome to the Hope and Anchor Community Church podcast. Each week we'll bring you the latest preachings from our Sunday services. We hope that as you listen, you encounter God and you're encouraged to go deeper in your relationship with Him. Enjoy the message. How are you guys? You guys okay? Are you okay? I mean, is there anyone out there, mate? We're going to get cracking into the Word of God. This is going to be a great afternoon together. Are you ready for it? Okay, we're going to go straight up into Matthew. We're going to go into Matthew 13. And um, we're going to go out of the context of Jesus talking with the people. And uh, he, was, he was explaining a couple parables to the people. And um, this goes like this. Matthew 13, 24, NIV version says, Jesus told them another parable. He had been talking for a while. And then the kingdom of heaven, he said, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. A man who owned a seed, owned a field, who was sowing good seed in his field, right? And it says, but while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat. So the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field, right? But while every, everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds, weeds among the wheat, weeds among the wheat, and went away. And when the wheat sprout and form ears, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? Verse 28 says, an enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, do you want us to go and pull them up? (laughs) No, Jesus said, no, no. (laughs) No, no, Paul, no smoking the weed. It says, because while you are pulling up the weeds, you might uproot the wheat with them. And verse 30 says, let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters first to collect the weeds and tie them in a bundle, in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. Father, thank you for your word. I don't, I don't really think that we have to add anything to it. But, Father, as we, as we discuss this, Father, will you open our hearts, Lord? Father, we take authority over every spirit in this place, Lord. And we say, let, let Jesus that we know come and sit in this place with peace and understanding, Father. Give us context and give us revelation, Father. We need to be transformed in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The, the subject of today is the one and the other. And the context of this is Jesus being in a, in a, in a house and experiencing so many miracles. Uh, the house was so full that his disciples were front row and the aristocrats and the bureaucrats of the church were like following up. And then there were the people that didn't know Jesus on the back. And Jesus was preaching the gospel. But there were so many people in that place that there was no space. It was Peter's house, actually. When you go to, you know, to the place that this happened, 
it was Jesus. It was, it was Peter's house. He always had to pay something. Peter was always a big mouth. He was always paying the price for the rest. You know, he was, he was the guy. So they opened the roof. Jesus is preaching, teaching, healing the people. Things happen in that place that no one would rem- like, re- forget. And then Jesus went from that place and sat in a lake. The lake is literally 50 meters away from the house. We had the privilege with my wife and my kids to be there several years ago. And um, where it's supposed to be the house where this happened, you could see the lake or the Sea of Galilee, you know what I mean? Right there, just, just right there. I mean, you stumble, you're already wet. Let's say like that. And Jesus goes all the way there and says, okay, the multitudes are gathering, the crowd is here. I'm going to sit in a boat. Let's just pull a bit further away and let me just start getting together with the people. Because he understood that there's some things you, you talk in the intimate and there's some things you talk in the private. So Jesus left that house, the house of his friend, the one that gave up his life, his business for him. And he went to meet with the crowd and left him fixing the roof. That's probably my understanding. So that's the context. Jesus coming out of the house. House with a broken roof and coming into the people's place. Coming out of the intimacy of some or the ones that think they know it all and coming into the presence of the ones that maybe don't have it, don't have it quite clear. And I, and I love that Jesus can be with both. At the same, I had the grace, he had the favor, he had the, the tenacity to be with both. Arthur, hey, how are you, man? Nice to see you, bro. And I believe that Jesus is that same Jesus today. He's able to be in the marketplace and he's able to be in the amount of people that we are in today. So teaches, he teaches parables. And why he's teaching parables? It's not little stories, you know, that are cultural He's actually try, he's trying to convey things that are so, so intense, so deep, that in that moment, you and me would not understand. So he, he tries to relate them to things that we will be more mundane about, more normal about. We will understand better. So he's teaching in parables to the multitudes. And after he teaches, he goes back to the house with the broken roof. So I want you to understand that. So if it started raining like in England somehow, so you will have a waterfall in the middle of the conversation. So is Jesus coming out and Jesus coming in? He spoke some things and he did some things in the intimacy of that place. And then he goes out and speaks other things. But the disciples go back with him and close the door. See, that's the context. The context of this is the disciples are about to ask Jesus. If we go to verse 37 that we don't have in the scriptures, but I, I know that you have your Bible. It says, verse 37 says, he answered. They asked, you know, hey, they went into this house, right? And they asked in the intimacy, what the heck? Have you ever asked Jesus what the heck? It's a great thing to do. I, I want to ask you to try that this week. Whenever you see something that you don't understand, ask Jesus, what the heck? Exactly, bro. There you go. But he's doing it in the right way, yeah? 
little steps. So he is in the middle of that, and his disciples, he, he drives the disciples into intimacy. See, God is not responding to our questions. He's driving us to understand what kind of questions are better and where is the place to ask them. So Jesus is coming in for the kill. He's coming in to get really deep and very personal. He could do so many things in amongst the people that didn't believe him. He could cure and forgive the person that was lowered through the ceiling in that house while people didn't think and understand who he was and didn't believe him. He went out and explained the kingdom of God with such prolific understandings of what they were living. He assimilated it to the culture, to agricultural understandings, because it was their reality. And Jesus brings all of that, boils all of that out into intimacy. He says, now I'm going to prepare you, the ones that have gathered with me, the ones that have walked with me, the ones that are walking with me. Not in the past, but in the present. I gather you so I can give you what is really in my heart. And with intimacy, questions are provoked. You know that you're being intimate with Jesus when you start asking Jesus things that you never asked before to anyone else. You start wondering about things. What about this area? What about this understanding? What about this situation? And you put it in the hands of Jesus. When you put things that you have not even been taught to put in the hands of Jesus, you know that you're having intimacy with him. That means you're not relying on your own understanding and your concepts and your paradigms and what the news are saying. You are relying on a relationship that is living, that is understanding of the times, that you don't have to shake anything off because he is the one that shakes everything that should be shaken. See, that's the context. So now we land in today. So disciples are asking the questions, right? And um, Jesus, let me explain to you. So he explains three things, right? The third thing is altercation. The second thing is the war. And the first thing is the dispute. And actually, if you think about it, nowadays, that really makes a lot of sense. And we can start giving opinions about the things that we read and we see around the world. And that has nothing to do only with Russia and Ukraine and all the world going a bit whatever. Maybe we're talking about our relationships as well. So you maybe are in a dispute, in a war, in an altercation right now. Three, two, one, one, two, three. Maybe you can add more to the mix, but Jesus is trying to say, hey, there's more to the story, and this is not only about seed and bad seed, an owner and an enemy. He's trying to actually kind of break it down to the guys and says, hey, this is something in between a good owner, an owner of the field, the legit and the unlegit, the enemy, the one that paid and the one that comes in sneaking in the night, the one that speaks truth and the one that deceives and manipulates the truth. Oh, so near to today. It's just embarrassing almost. It might be that the Bible is so eloquent and so rich that even today, our faith doesn't have to be hanging around and deconstructed. It could be founded and building on a rock that cannot be shaken. The cornerstone. 
While some of us, and it's inside of the church, we want to deconstruct things. Jesus talked about building on a cornerstone. Deconstruction, that's the work of the enemy. Constructing is the work of the church. Foot for thought. So he's teaching in parables, and he's explained that in the intimacy. And he says, this is an owner of the field and a good seed, and this is the enemy of that owner, the enemy of the owner, with his hair or the seeds of weed. So we're talking about, and I don't know if that has happened to you, but I, I always read this about it was a war and it was a situation between, you know, the wheat and the tear and they were fighting for the nutrients, you know, and we were going to go into the second by that. But maybe, maybe, just maybe, I want to defer with us and maybe go deeper. Can I go deeper? Maybe this is a war between the owner and the enemy. And you and me are the seed, the good seed. And there's, there's other kinds of seed. So that's why today's, you know, the one and the other. Because the one is that good owner. And the other is the one that came during the night. The one that came through the confusion. The night in the Bible is actually depicted through confusion. Not knowledge. Not near. Not having nearness or understanding. So the one that sowed during the sun in clarity and in freedom and the one that came when it was dark and confusing and the things that have happened, companies, non-Christians and Christians both, and this is very important, around the world in this season have changed and shifted so many things that you can see the thread of the things that we decided in the light and the things that we decided in the confusion. And the Lord is saying, my portion for you is to know. My portion is for you to know. He's not giving anything else. My portion is for you to know that you are good seed. And this war is not against you. This war is between me and my enemy. And you will have great words that would say, you're not, no weapon formed against, and I believe it. But if we are so centered in us, we'll not understand the context of the story. The context of the story is intimacy, into the house again. See, we, we start talking about the parable, and we get into details, and we start, like, dissecting, and we get all our groups. No, oi, that went back in the house. So let's sit back in the house. Maybe it starts raining. Maybe we have to start thinking later on how to fix that roof, you know, because, you know, and all that hay, well, it's really good for a little bit of fire in a minute. All that that happened might be what is lighting up a fire for us to warm up in the midst of what we're living. Oh, God, God is dropping so many things right now. So Jesus is rarely exegeting a text or a parable. He's not known, I mean, this is a shout out for all the preachers that never get understood, like, like me. You know? <laughs> Amen, you know what I mean? Jesus rarely got understood. And rarely as well, the disciples would come to Jesus and say, hey, mate, you see that one? <laughs> um, what the heck? 
You see? Honesty, you know, nearness, intimacy. He drives them into intimacy because this was pivotal into us today. So Jesus was not playing guessing who and guessing what would be convenient. He was saying, let me pick up what is pivotal and let me bring it into the light. Let me bring it near. Let me bring it into intimacy. Let me bring it into what I planted. Let me tell you who you are. So Jesus exegetes the test and let me say, he says, let me tell you. And then he says, you know, uh, and he starts, he's like, okay, we got together and he answered. The one who sowed the good seed is the son of man, Jesus. He shout out to the big and the only. And then he says, the field is the world. And the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. That's you. Say, hey. 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 Who's from the kingdom? Hey. Are you from the kingdom? Hey. Oh. Hey. Oh. Yeah, there you go. Come on. You guys get serious. This is the word of God, you know. People are going to think we're having a good time, you know what I mean? And then the people of the kingdom says, you know, one, this is the people of the kingdom. And the weeds, let me tell you about the weeds because this is something. There's so much weed around. The weed are the people of the evil one. So it's not any random stuff, it's people as well. So we say, hey, to be in weeds. But there's also weed around us, maybe in between us. And it's very clear. The weed are the people of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. You know, nowadays we don't like to talk about the devil, but he's losing, like, PR right now. You know what I mean? Like, nowadays a weak church has started not to talk about things the right way because we are afraid of facing the facts. But there's a devil. Like, there's a God, there's a devil. And it says that the harvest is the end of the age. That moment of picking up. You see that they stopped it and said, don't pick it up today. Wait, and at the end we'll pick it up. Is the end of the age. Is the end of the age and the harvesters are the angels. And as the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, the weeds, remember, don't worry about them. They're going to be pulled up and burned in the fire. So it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will come out, will send out his angels, and he will weed out. He will weed out. He will weed. Who loves weeding out apart from Ina? We have a lady in the, in the church, in the house, that if you stand on her way and you look a little bit green on a really good and sunny day, she will pull you out and see what happens, you know what I mean? And see if, it, if you spread out or not, you know? <laughs> she, she is the one that kills anything that is going wrong in the patio, mate. If you have a garden, ask Ina. I love Ina. And the, weird, the, wheel, the, the weeds are pulled out and burned in the fire, and they throw them into a blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So the Son of Man will send out his angels to weed out Everything that causes sin and all who do evil. Everything that causes sin and everything or everyone that do evil. This is amazing. This is actually so timely right now. And they will throw them. They will throw them. The angels, the people of God, 
But what God puts in the way, he will throw them into the furnace and they will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteousness will shine. The righteous will shine like the sun. In the kingdom of their father. And then he says, whoever has ears, let them hear. But you know what I found? I'm going to find this for you for a minute. Verse 26, we just read it in the Bible. 1326, when the wheat sprouted and formed, what did they form? Ears. Ouch. See, I love the Bible. God is so good to us. Don't you love when God sits with you and teaches you how to read? I love when my Lord, your Lord, says, hey, when they have sprouted and formed ears, then the weed also appeared. Before your temptations, before your cravings happened to come around, you already had listened. You already had purpose. You already were growing. You already were still in place and you were good. You were good seed. Whoever has ears, let them hear. This is a Jesus moment. See, these are the things that sometimes we don't take the time to listen. Jesus is exegeting and saying, hey, I planted you. I said you will sprout and you will grow before they appear. And then he moves on and says, do you have ears? He already said in the parable, in the multitude, when it was going good, he would say, hey, they will grow ears. And that's a cultural understanding of something that was happening in the crop. But Jesus is talking about humans, you, me, the kingdom of God, as we are the crop. And I love how he married both in such an elegant way. Food for thought. He's explaining the dispute, the altercation, the the fight, the war between the good man and the enemy. The metaphor that he's using, this is like the kingdom. It is not that the kingdom of God is in the fields with the wheat and the tear. He's just explaining, hey, you and me are like people that have been planted. And there's other things that are in the ground that might grow because we have an enemy. The enemy is not about you. Don't be so self-centered in your faith. And you think you're so hot as a Christian that the enemy is against you. It's about God and the devil. So you are the wheat, and the enemy knows he cannot stop you from being weeds. He cannot stop you from being planted. He cannot stop the vocation. He cannot stop the revelation. He cannot stop what you feel and you cannot describe. He knows. He was there from the beginning. He was created, and he saw us being created. And he knows he lost. He lost a while ago. But he's that enemy that comes cowardly in the midst of our confusion, in the midst of the moments that we don't have it very clear, in the midst of when we are weak, when there's no light, 
There's no understanding. There's turmoil. There are pandemics. There's bad moments in relationship. That's the enemy. He's so weak that he will never come in the middle of the day. He only comes in the middle of the night. And Jesus stands in the middle of a broken roof saying, let me tell you about brokenness. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I planted you. Don't you love Jesus? I'm going to start closing because, you know, people get a little bit itchy. You know, nowadays we're like, we want preaching our 30 minutes and really, really, really kind on us. And uh, but Jesus wants to explain a cultural understanding. And he says, you know, hey, I'm going to tell you about, you know, a scenario. And he, he takes them into like the nitty gritty of their day. So you are agricultural people, so I'm going to talk about crops. And he just dissects it in a minute, you know, and he says, you know, the crop um, and, and the seed have an identity. It's wheat, you know. And, yeah, I know, that's me. Hi, how are you, mate? I planted, you know, and, uh, and, and I'm, I'm good about it, you know. And I know the integrity of who you are as a seed. Maybe you have moments in the day during the week and in the month, and this depends if it's 20, 21, 22. You might depend on moments, you know, to think about who you are. But Jesus says, I know what I planted. The enemy doesn't come because you have nothing. The enemy comes in the midst of you being everything God wants to see. Everything in your life that has been attacked, relationally, emotionally, physically, and financially, has been attacked in the midst of you, beginning to understand who you are in God. And the enemy cannot stand that table, that you sit in the midst of your enemies, that you sit in the midst of what is a turmoil and what you don't understand and what you cannot control. He cannot stand sitting in the other chairs. He wants to be the star of the table. But Jesus, he sat down. And he explained from the boat. He explained. He sat down in the boat. And then he sat at the house. He sits down in the house, in your heart. And he explains. And he brings it out into two possibilities. In trying to actually demystify the ages. You know, I see Jesus walking through the ages with such elegance. He says, people would sow and people would reap, right? That's what you do agriculturally. You know, you would sow seed and then you would reap. We read it in the text. We heard Jesus speaking about the parable and he explains it as well. But if we go into it, what it meant for the people, then we can extract the juice of what it means for you and for me today. And it says, you know, sowing and reaping, sowing and gathering. And sometimes we feel that when we give to God, when we live for God, and we invest in the communities, we invest in the people, we do this and we do that because all of it has been inspired by God and by the will of God and in obedience to God, we think it's called vacations afterwards. Vacations, by the way, let's highlight that one. And you can quote me on this one as your pastor. Vacations are from the devil. And I'll tell you why. Take a second. I'm not against EasyJet. Don't worry about it. I've had the luxury of going with some friends to vacations. Friends that are born again. Living in and out. Every day, their faith. 
friends that we live even, you know, so near and we do so many things here in the city. People from the church, we have actually said, watch, mate, I would love to go to the beach. Who doesn't like a little bit of beach moments, you know what I mean? Like, I would like to have sun. I'm Caribbean, so sometimes, you know, I'll be tempted to, to go to my mother nature. And you know what happens to us? We preach more in our vacations than we preach when we are doing ministry. You see what happens because you have a vocation, you're wheat. You cannot stop being wheat because where you are geographically, being wheat or being planted has nothing to do with geography, has to do with a matter of a heart. And Jesus is saying, hey, I am the good, the good owner and the seed, your seed. I have planted it in my kingdom and everything I planted in you will bear fruit and fruit that lasts and everywhere you go will bear the fruits that I want. So you cannot shake it off. When you take a plane, you are a good, good seed. See, this is the situation with being good seed. Paul would describe it, you know, very eloquently as being a slave of the cross. You see, those are the words that we don't want to see today, but they're going to become more usual. Be careful. But if we get accustomed with the text and the verbs and how life unrolls itself, Jesus was touching very, very near nerves to what we're living today. And he's saying, yay, sowing is hard work. And I know, I have known your works. But I want to remind you that your Western mentality of my kingdom might not be applying to the reaping. We all shout on our reaping moments. Ah, you're going to reap from the Lord. If you have been sowing with tears, you will reap with joy and laughter. And, and we like the idea, right? But if you ask anyone that planted a bean, I don't know if you did any kind of like school project, you know, they planted a bean or a little bit more than that. Maybe you come from a context that you actually planted things that you ate from afterwards. See, that's the context. Hey, when you are reaping, it's hard work as well. So sowing has been with tears. And the only difference is that you're going to be reaping with joy. You're going to be reaping with excitement. Paul, give me a second, mate. Just give me a second, mate. The reality of this is sometimes our Western understanding doesn't allow us to understand that there's no Disney. We pray for God to do things and then we got to reap on them. And it's messy. And it's hard work. I love the cue. So it's hard work. Do you see the hard work? You see it? There you go. He wants to kind of challenge our Western mentality of being the church. Or being disciples. Not all and not everything will be polished. Not all things will grow at the same time. If you have grown two things together, you would see that they don't grow together the same. Yes or no? This is simple. And Jesus is going to the simple to explain the things that we can understand, the kingdom of God. And he says, hey, there's no vacations on being good seed. There's no vacations of being wheat. There's no vacations of being the church. 
There's no vacations of actually spreading the truth. There's no vacations. There's no vacations. There's no an end to the story. And when there is the end, I will poke you in. <coughs> because we are good seed. So for the good seed, there's no vacations. Who wanted vacations from your faith? Any, va any valiant one there? Anyone that said, oh, I just wanted vacations. It was two months. You know, I just, just two months to do whatever. And then the rest, 10 months to do. God said about the 10%. You know, you might understand whatever, you know. <laughs> I mean, two months. May I just do what? And God wants only 10%. So he talks about life. And he talks about a system that brings life. He's talking about, you know, if you bring the crop into a specific place, you will be able to grow an expected end. And it doesn't matter what grows around you. It's not going to take from you enough for you to be depleted so you stop being who you were supposed to be. See, the wheat will never stop being the wheat. But the enemy came and planted tear in the middle of the night. And in the middle of the night, in the middle of the night, he plants something that looks very, very, very similar. If you look at a wheat and a tear... Physically, they look very similar. But the tear is known as poisonous wheat. It's known as what looks like, but depletes the story from the nutrients that it could bring to the wheat. Depletes the ground. It depletes your friendships. It depletes your finances. So maybe there's a question for us to maybe ask ourselves. If we're living... If we're living in a world that is actually in between us, if there are things in our faith, is there things in our life that are still there or we have been taken from or, the, or there's some tear in our life that is taken from our relationships. Maybe you have the typical, I mean, I know it's not you, so don't worry about it. But there's a typical friend that is a gossiper. You know what I mean? That let, me tell you, let me tell you something. I saw such and such, you know, doing that. But I'm praying for him. <laughs> That's gold hair, by the way. Real fruits never slander. Real wheat. Real wheat doesn't poison. But there might be some operational defects in our life I will always try to think about this of as there's areas in our life that have been poisoned but we have ears to hear the enemy is so afraid of this word you know I love it you know there's never never Never. A good Sunday without a good war. <laughs> Talking about that. Because it's the one and the other, right? So sowing and reaping are systems of life, right? And those systems of life are under attack. We stop sowing because we get around tear. We stop reaping because we think we deserve to have the goodness of God and stop our Christian life and our walk with God. Keep your patience. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It's a really good thing for you. Welcome to school. I'm just teaching today, just saying. 
extra shock if you need it. You know what I mean? Like you want? I can. It is your church. Own it. So the talks, the talks come in the line of the attack and they come in the line of the one. They come in the line of the other. And he talks about the value. He starts talking about the value of the seed. He talks a value of the value of the owner. Is a good owner. So he gives, it's not a random owner. It's not a guy that just had a piece of land, you know, and just kind of like, no, he was a good owner. And he put it, good seed. And with that, tells you the story. And with that, it tells you what's the end as well. You will have a lot of noise, literally, sometimes. But if you can gather from this, that Jesus in the midst of a rainy, rainy roof, a lot of noise, a lot of circumstances. He did some things in the private, and he did things in the public. And when he was ready to actually do anything in our lives, he took us intimately into who he is. You will be able to understand what in your life today is tear and what in your life is wheat from God. If we take it and we boil it down to what is the minimum, we would say this, what in my emotions, in my relationships, in my life is entangled to tear? And what if in my life I'm able to look at it and not lose the value of the seed that I am, the value of the, the, the vocation of God, the assignment of God with each one of us. What if, what if we're able to see what God is doing? The enemy won't be able to stop the wheat. He might try to create distraction. He might try to stop the weediness because he's fighting the weed. But you know what? Don't be so quick to judge what's wheat and what's tear. Don't pick it up yourself. Be wise. If it doesn't have fruits from the Holy Spirit, you understand. If it has fruits, you will understand. But this is all known in the intimacy. Amen? I graduated today, by the way. <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't need that. It's Jesus. Yo. By the way, but at the same time, this is the fight that we're in because there's so much noise. This is the fight that we're in. There's so many opinions. There's so much that's trying to entangle itself to the gospel that is bringing life, the good seed, is suffering the alien things that came into the ground. That, though, I don't mean UFOs on that. Just Nowadays, you've got to clarify because there's so many stuff out there. It's kind of crazy. So, the reality is... That man up there. Uh-huh. Awesome. Now make silence in front of him as well. It's a really good idea. Amen? So look at the limitations. Look at the limitations and look at the motivations of the tear around you. 
And with this, I leave you as we can have the worship team back. Look at the limitations and look at the motivations. That's how you will have discernment and spiritual wisdom. As you're fearing God, as you're trying to look for his word, for what he is, you will have noise, you will have situations. But look at the motivations and the limitations that the Lord has already said to your enemy, to the tear around you as well. As he gathers through you, as he gathers through you, as he invests in other, as he plants more wheat through your life, have wisdom, have understanding to see how you sow into relationships, into moments that are wheat moments, and how you walk away from moments that are tear moments. What is depleting the assignment that you have? What is taken from your essence as a good seed? Don't let the enemy tell you you're a bad seed, though. You're a good seed. You might be in a terrain that is full of tear. The enemy has come. Don't be so grandiose about your life. The enemy has not come for you. He has come for the plan of God that is deeply rooted in your life as good seed. So the fight is not yours. We love hearing about that. The fight is the Lord's. You know why? Because the fight is between the one and the other. So as you understand where you planted, as you've been given wisdom from God to understand what's the tear in your day, in your ideas, in your paradigms, in your worldview, the way that you relate to God, also think that the fight is not yours. That if you stay still and know that he's your God, that if you stay still and know that he's the one that fights for you, if you stay still and you understand that you will not become less because he's a good owner and he has put good seed in a good ground. If you understand those things, the people around us will know that there's so much good seed around. Good seed brings bread. The type of wheat that we're talking about is bread. And the Lord promised more seed, more seed to the one that gives seed, more bread to the ones that were the bread. So in this season, let's not get caught up in the noise. Let's understand what is happening. It's funny when the tear left, the silence became one. Eh? I don't know if you have noticed, but think about the last three minutes hair left it's crazy how we can judge but the Lord is doing something new that's why he called us to this area to these people because we will have the sensibility to understand the peace of God the gift of God the real seeds from the good shepherd that he covers and he calls by name to hold yourself in there. Amen? The Lord teaches us as a church. I learned a lot today. Have you learned a lot? Oh, it has been a good party.
but the Lord conquers. Thank you, Brother. Thank you, Paul Maggie. Really. All of us add something to the family. Let's be humble. Let's respect each other. Let's bring something to the streets. Everywhere you go, you're an agent. You're a wheat seed planted in good soil. And God trusts that what he planted in you will overcome the terror around you. Let's stand up if you feel comfortable. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your presence, Lord. Thank you because there's no curse. There's no situation in our lives that can stop, Father, what you planted in us. Father, I don't care what comes around. Nothing can stop, Father, who you are. Father, we understand that this war is not against us, Father. So, Father, we take, and if we even have taken positions that are selfish and entitled, Father, in this moment in life, Father. Father, if we have tried to understand life through our own means and we have become lame. Father, we ask that you will heal us in our understanding, Lord. Father, that you will clean our eyes, Father, and then we will see, Father, how you see that you will give us the temperament, the personality to stand in the midst of confusion, Lord, because you are our light. Father, give us the intimacy that is able to ask questions from our peers, from our elders, Lord, and from you more than anything. Father, we ask for this baptism of love that is in this room right now. This reassurance that your peace cannot be shaken. Father, I ask in the name of Jesus for your anointing to fall in each one of us in every relationship, Father. And let that be the target, the trigger, Father, that brings life and truth out, Father. In the name of Jesus, everything hidden, Lord. I ask for every tear, Father, that is in every relationship, every financial pocket, Father. In the name of Jesus, every mind, Father, every spiritual walk with you, Father, anything that is a tear, in each one of us, as a church, Lord, as a community, as a congregation, Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, that you bring clarity. This is the season. This is the season. The war is being well and well underway, Father, but this is the season. And we can smell the victory. Father, you are not afraid of war. You are the God, Lord, that overcomes war. Father, as the world is trying to understand different wars, Father, with their concepts, Father, you are the one that understands the overlapping war. And this is a war for seeing. Because that seeing is precious to you. And we know you won. You came one for all, Lord. And in that cross, you paid for us. You settled the game. The crop is coming. The harvest is plenty. Would you bring the people, Father? Every area that is lame, Father, in the name of Jesus. Every area that has questions, Father, bring clarity to the questions. There where you are. If you need areas in your life to be clarified, in the name of Jesus. God is near. He takes you intimately. He sits back in the house and explains what is going on. If you need help, if you have questions, there where you are, all eyes closed, only hands up. If you have questions, and there you are. Say, Jesus, I need your wisdom, I need your clarity, Father. 
Father, I need to know what is my identity as a seed. Father, I need to know the times that I'm standing in. I need to know, Father, that you are with me. Father, I need revelation in the name of Jesus, Father. Your arm of Father, your arm of power, Father, be revealed through this week, Father. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for your presence, Lord. We thank you for everything you've done today. We thank you for bringing everyone that needed to be here. And we bless you. In your mighty name, Jesus, we pray. Thanks for joining us today. If you have any questions or would like to share how God is speaking to you through this message, let us know on any of our social media platforms. Make sure to visit our website, hopeandanchor.org, for more information on who we are as a church and to find out how you can be part of the Hope and Anchor family. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time.